I would not wish this on my worst enemy. The pain would be just excruciating. People just think that a migraine is a really bad headache and it's, it, there's so much more to it than that. It's really nice to be able to say, is anybody else dealing with this today? Hello, my name is Dr. Larry Newman, and this is Season 2, Episode 6 of Move Against Migraine, a podcast by the American Migraine Foundation. Today's topic is migraine in schools. In this episode, I'm talking with Dr. Jessica Gautreau of Children's Hospital, New Orleans, about how migraine affects school-aged children and how parents can help advocate for their children at school. Welcome, Dr. Gautreau. Can you introduce yourself and your institution? Yeah, so I'm Jessica Gotro. I'm from Louisiana State University Health Sciences Center in New Orleans and Children's Hospital of New Orleans. Um, and I am a pediatric headache specialist. We know migraine commonly affects adults, but migraine might not be commonly associated with children. So can you speak briefly about the prevalence of migraine in children, please? Sure. So people are always surprised to find out that children actually can have migraine attacks. And certainly when they're younger, it is less common than what we think of in adults. So up to about age 10, it's about 5% of children um, or the prevalence of migraine. As they get older and move into their adolescence, though, the prevalence increases and starts to approach the same numbers that we see in adults. So the range by the time you're 18 is somewhere between 8 to 15% of people. Um, one to two percent of children, or excuse me, adolescents, actually have chronic migraine. So they're having headaches more than 15 days a month. So I like for people to think about the fact that one in four families are affected by migraine. So when your child is in a classroom, the student sitting next to them may not have migraine, but they may have a family member who's affected. That's very interesting. You know, I'm an adult neurologist, but I do see adolescents, and occasionally I see some children. And I'm struck by the fact that many parents come in who they themselves suffer from migraine and are convinced that their child can't possibly have migraine, but they're, they're just trying to get out of school and they're imitating their parent. How do you address that? Yeah, we hear that frequently. I think it's really important, even when you're dealing with a parent who knows about migraine, to start with the very basics and remind them that this is a neurological disease that's no different than another child who has asthma or who has diabetes or who has ADHD. We don't accuse those children of trying to get out of class or trying to get out of their schoolwork because of their underlying disease, and we shouldn't do that to our children with migraine either. Great tip. So besides the physical effects, how can migraine affect children in school? There are lots of ways that um, school-aged children and teenagers are affected from a school perspective by their migraine. So not only can they have difficulty focusing and concentrating on the work at hand during a migraine attack, but once they've missed that work or had that work interrupted, it starts to snowball. And so missing school and missing uh, school work starts to become an extra stressor. They can also start to be limited in their extracurriculars, which is an important part of being in school and all those experiences that you have through those activities as well. It's not uncommon for people to come to our headache clinic and already have started down the process of missing out on their sports and maybe they've quit the team that they're playing on or even to the point where now they're homebound or going to school half of the time. So it really can start to wear and make a real significant impact on their daily school life very quickly. You know, in our previous podcast, we were discussing how migraine in the workplace can be so disabling and how patients need to be able to advocate for themselves and speak to their, to their employees. Is there a similar situation in the school 
Certainly. So it's really important for parents to go to advocate for their children at the school. And the very first step is just letting the school know that their child suffers from migraine. Many schools and school nurses and teachers and principals don't understand what migraine is. So you have to let them know what this disease is for them to even be able to understand that they need to help the students. And I think that opens up the conversation to then start asking what does the student or the child need? Special accommodations, medications at school, um, and other things that can be done for children with migraine. You know, the school environment is not necessarily the most friendly environment for someone who, who lives with migraine. Are there ways to make that environment more friendly for those, those kids who do have this disease? You can definitely make the school a more hospitable place. So things that children with migraine might encounter when they're at school that can be difficult for them, especially during an attack, are the bright fluorescent lights. Much of schoolwork now is done on a computer all day long without many breaks. Uh, sometimes there's physical activity with PE that might be a bit strenuous for during a migraine attack, so they may encounter things throughout the day that aren't very conducive for them. Even school lunch, for example, they may not like the food that's offered. So there are lots of things that we can do to prepare for those situations. So for example, we may ask the school to allow someone to wear lenses, shaded lenses, during an attack when they're photophobic or when they're light sensitive. We can ask if children want to attend maybe a noisy event like a pep rally, that they be allowed to wear earplugs during that. If they prefer to not go to that event, maybe there can be an alternative activity that's quiet and in the library. We can ask for anti-glare screens to be put on computers. You can ask for alternative activities to be offered during PE that maybe are a little um, less strenuous than running. Perhaps they could do walking or yoga or another activity during PE. So there are lots of things that we can do to make schools a place where kids with migraine can succeed. You just have to know and have that done in advance. It's hard to make those things happen in the moment, so it's all about planning and preparation. So those are really small changes, but they can have a really tremendous impact for, for, for these children. A tremendous impact. So just walk me through or walk our listeners through, how do you go through advocating? How do the parents go to advocate for their kids in school? What, who needs to be involved? What do we need to do? So there really is the idea that a team needs to help children with migraine, and they've actually done studies to show that parents... Um, pediatricians and physicians and school nurses as well as the school in general if they're all working together children with migraine um, do much better so the first step I think would be to go to your doctor and have a discussion with your pediatrician about what reasonable requests may be and many schools once they put accommodations in place are going to want the pediatrician to agree to them or sign off on them and then I think I would approach the school make sure that everyone at the school that interacts with your child is aware of the child's migraine and the migraine attacks um, and that you all come up with a plan together. So we actually recommend that you start this conversation long before school starts. So in the summer is when this needs to begin. So over the summer, you can reach out to your child's teacher or to a school nurse if you don't know who the teacher's going to be and start the discussion and then start to suggest things that happen that might be specific to your child. If your child has light sensitivity, then lenses might be a request during, uh, for the fluorescent lights. If your child is more sound sensitive, you may have a different set of asks. Another really important thing from a school standpoint is that they have access to their acute treatment medications there. And many times that takes not only a discussion with the school nurse, but making sure that the prescriptions are ready, making sure all of the paperwork is appropriately filled out by the pediatrician so that the medication can even be placed at school. And this can sometimes take, take weeks. So you really have to start talking to pediatricians, school nurses, teachers, all in advance and make some shared decisions to put a full plan into place. And there are things like the Pediatric Migraine Action Plan that was, re that was just recently published that can help put all this in a single document 
that can go to the school so everything's in one place. This doesn't have to be um, disorganized. And many schools are familiar with these action plan types of documents from you know, other medical conditions where they're used, for example, like asthma. So those are all great tools for, for the kids, for their parents. What happens when the school pushes back? What's the next step? So when schools push back, I really think the first step is to go first back to the doctor's office, to the pediatrician's office. I think um, they can be one of your strongest advocates if they're not listening to you as a parent or if a school's not listening to you as a parent and get your doctor on your side. Many physicians are very willing to speak with school nurses, write letters on your behalf, um, create action plans to send to the school. Some hospitals and centers um, sometimes have social workers who can help you or educational representatives who can also help you if you're still not making progress on getting the accommodations that you need um, for your own child or student. So we spoke about what the parent can do. We spoke about what the teachers can do, what the school nurses can do, what the pediatrician can do. How about the kid? What can the kid do to advocate for themselves? I think the first step for children is making sure that they know that it's really important to alert an adult as soon as a migraine attack occurs and that they're comfortable doing so. Frequently, I hear that children aren't comfortable wanting to disrupt class. They don't want to be judged. So I think that's where the time really has to go in is that educating them on their disease and making sure that they feel comfortable bringing attention when an attack is happening so that you can have success in treating it. If your child has a big day at school or a test, there's no way to say we're going to prevent an attack that day. But there are things that children can do every single day that make it less likely that a headache will occur. And that's what we call headache hygiene. So those are all of the wellness factors or lifestyle factors that can decrease the number of headaches or migraines that you have. Those are things like staying well hydrated, not skipping meals, getting enough sleep, and getting exercise. And we actually need schools to help us with those accommodations as well. So children with migraine may need to carry a bottle of water every single day, even when they're not having an attack. They need, may need to have access to a snack at school for those days, for example, where they don't like the school lunch. So it's really important that even when they're feeling well, that the schools are supportive of them and stick to their, their migraine plan. Thank you so much for having me today. It's been really great to get to talk about children in schools with migraine. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Gautreaux. On Episode 7, Dr. Amy Gelfand will be talking about pediatric migraine. Season 2 of Move Against Migraine, a podcast by the American Migraine Foundation, is made possible by our generous sponsors, Amgen and Teva.